All right, Shabbos, say good morning. Let us begin. We have a lot to do today, Emir Sashem. Today's daf is Mem Hey. We are going to pick up on the bottom, or yeah, towards the bottom of Mem Dalal Mabez. We begin first by thanking our sponsors, to thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Sivan, to thank Naftali and Chavi Tilson for thanking Naftali's Chavar Benjamin Wolf for introducing him to the daf. May Hashem bless us all to finish the daf Yomi cycle together and celebrate with a Sium. In Eretz Yisrael, Amen. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors, Baruch Meir and Rina Dubin, and Ms. Chostech Hashbaruch, who continue to protect our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael, and may all of our children remain safe and complete their year of learning with a deep connection to the land and to Hashem's Torah, Amen. To thank our Week of Learning sponsors, Jeff and Debbie Schwartz, for a continued refuah shalema for Jeff and Mirza Hashem. Our Week of Learning sponsors, Alan and Sherry Steinmetz, in commemoration of the art site of Alan's mother, Chaya Bas Meir. We hope that on the merit of all of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nisham Slav and Aliyah, those who require refuah should have one together with Kol Chol Yisrael. And also with that, let us begin. So today's daf, as I mentioned, is Mem Hey 45, and we are picking up Mem Dalin on the days. Actually, I have a lot to do. We're picking up Bechol Yom, I believe, Bechol Yom Hayachose Bishal Kesef, right? Is that where we left off? The two dots pretty much in the middle of Memdal and in the middle of 44b. So the Mishnah said, remember, each and every day, the Kohen Gadol would go ahead and use a shovel made of gold, or made of silver, right, at least initially, and then he would empty the contents into a shovel made of gold. On Yom Kippur, he's using just a shovel made of gold. That's the shovel he goes and he takes the coals with, and that's the very shovel that he goes ahead and enters into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Says the Gemara, why is that? You know, what the Gemara is really bothered by, or just intrigued by, is why is it that every day we began with a shovel of silver, and today there's a shovel of gold, to which the Gemara says, my ta- um, I'm sorry, my ta'ima, ha-Torah chasa shal Yisrael. Ultimately, again, because the Torah is careful with the money of Klal Yisrael. So we'll say, this is an interesting idea in and of itself, Thank you. So I'll say, so this in general is an interesting idea in and of itself, namely that the Torah could have gone all out on everything, could have made everything gold. Yet at the end of the day, there are certain things the Torah makes silver, certain things the Torah makes gold. The Gemara understands that to mean that Baruch who's trying to kind of teach us a lesson, which is that the Ribono Shal Olam cares about our money. The Torah is careful with the money of Klal Yisrael. And of course, remember, the entire essence of the Beis HaMikdash is to teach us how to live meaningful and successful lives. One of the messages that HaKadosh Baruch was trying to convey to us is, if the Ribbono Shal Olam cares about our money, we must care about our money as well. That we have to be careful with our Gashmios, recognizing that every material item we have is a gift from the Ribbono Shal Olam and should be treated accordingly. I, we, we had this concept not so a few weeks ago and back in Daf as well, and I think I mentioned this. This is the whole sort of Yaakov Avinu and Pachem Kitanim. Right? When Yaakov Avinu goes back over, he crosses back over Ma'avar Yavok, and he's all alone, that's the night that he fights with the Saroshal Esav. So Rashi says, why was Yaakov Avinu all alone? Shachach Pachem Kitanim. He forgot little jugs. And in Ma'aral, everybody asks, so, so just get more, you're, you're a rich guy. To which the Maharal explains, because Yaakov Avinu understood that even the Tupperware, right, even the small little jugs were a gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore again have to be treated with incredible respect. So the idea over here is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is trying to convey to us that he cares about our money, 
and asks us to care about it as well. So remember again, every other day, the shovel that the coin would use to go ahead and remove the coals from the top of the Mizbeach was not the same shovel that was used ultimately to go into the Kodesh itself. Yet today on Yom Kippur it was, to which the Yomar says, My taima, mishum the coin gadol. Very simple. Also, well, remember again, we see a pattern and a theme over here, which is whatever we can do to make the avod of Yom Kippur a little bit easier is what we do. Is what we do. Therefore, again, the Gemara says over here, the Gemara says that going ahead and going ahead and going ahead and not switching the shovel, but just removing the coals with the same shovel and then just walking in is one less step. We do so to preserve the koach of the Kohen Gadol. Remember again, each and every day they use the shovel of four kabin on Yom Kippur. But remember, they only use three kav of coals on Yom Kippur. They just used a shovel of three. Because remember again, both of these to take like a heaping, a heaping pile from the, from the Mizbeach, pour it into a smaller shovel, thereby ensuring you get the full three kabin of coals. On Yom Kippur, they didn't do that. On Yom Kippur, they just from the beginning used a shovel of three kabin. So, on a regular day in the base of Mikdash, there would be an extra kab of coals that would fall onto the floor. Because obviously, if you're withdrawing the coals with a shovel of four kabin, because that can hold four kabin, and you're pouring the contents of that shovel into a shovel that can hold three kabin, that means that there ultimately there's a kab of coals that falls onto the floor. To which the Gemara says it's not a problem. Rather, they would go ahead and just sweep it into the channel of water that ran through the base of Mikdash, which we've discussed before. Tani Chada, bless you. Tani Chada, Kav v'tanya idach kabayim. One Brisa said, or one Mishnah said it was a Kav. The other Brisa, the other Mishnah said it was, or the other Brisa said, excuse me, that it was two Kabin. Bishlamahach the Tani Kav Rabbanon. So the opinion that holds that it was a Kav reflexive view of the Rabbanon and the Mishnah, Elahach the Tani Kabayim money, but the opinion that said it was two Kabim, whose opinion is that? Lo Rabbanon v'lo Rabbi Yossi. Both say it's not the Rabbanon, nor is it Rabbi Yossi. It's another opinion. He holds that he would only go in, Kohen Gadol would only go in with a shovel that held two cabin of coals. If that's the case, he would, with, on a regular day, he would withdraw with a shovel that held four cabin, empty that into a smaller shovel which only held two cabin, which means that you ended up having two cabin of coals on the floor of the Mikdash. This is what it means to say. It could very well be Rabbi Osi that at the end of the day we're just using different measures, and really he would remove with a shovel that was a a, a, a desert saw and ultimately poured into a shovel that held three Jerusalem kabin. Which again, if you do the math, as Rashi explains, you end up with two additional kabin of coals on the floor. Okay. Every day the shovel was heavy, but on Yom Kippur the shovel was light. Every day, the shovel that was used for, for everyday youth, use had thick sides. Thick sides. So the heaviness was the fact that the metal was thicker. But on Yom Kippur, the metal was thin. Every day the handle of the shovel was short. Today on Yom Kippur, the handle was long. My time, what's the reason that on Yom Kippur, 
the shovel of the coin goggle had a long handle. Both said the goal was that the coin goggle, because we all said if it's a long handle, then what can you do? You could stick it under your arm, right? If it's a short, if it's a short handle, you could just hold it in your hand, which means you have to balance the entire weight in your hand. If it's a long handle, you could put it under your arm and again use the you, you by pushing it against your body, support part of the weight of the shovel with your body as well, thereby just making it a little bit easier. So the Gimara says, nishatik or niashtik. So it's another interesting distinction. Apparently the regular shovel, I should say, let me work backwards. The shovel on Yom Kippur used to have a ring on the end of it. But the everyday shovel did not have a ring. Right? If you could just imagine like a ring, a metal ring that would go through it. What was the point of this ring? So Rashi says, very interesting, Rashi says in the Ashtik, Taba'as Barosha. It was a, it was a ring. Literally, again, at the end of the handle, it calls it the top of the handle, right? It's the opposite side. In other words, at the front of the shovel, there is the shovel, and then the other side, the top of the handle. So the Gemara says, what was the point of this ring? Well, this is very interesting. The goal was that when the Kohen Gadol comes into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, he has to go ahead and announce his arrival. Now, because again, it's Derech the same way that there's a halacha, that before you enter into a home, you're supposed to knock. You know, the halacha is even in your own home. Even we saw Skimar, even in your own home, before you walk in, you're supposed to knock. So before the Kohen Gadol comes into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, he knocks. Now, he doesn't literally knock, but he makes a little bit of noise announcing his arrival. This is the Pa'amonim also, symbolic of the Pa'amonim, the, right, the bells on the bottom of the big day kahuna. So along those same lines, there was a ring at the end of the shovel. This year, when the Kohen Gadol would enter into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, it would make noise, so to speak, announcing his arrival. But of course, that's only a din in Yom Kippur, not a din on a regular day. Good. Every day, on a regular day, the gold was yellow gold in the base of Mikdash. Amrav for the shovel. Amrav Chista, Shiva Zahavimim. There are actually seven different types of gold. There is Zav, regular gold. Zav, Tov, really good gold. Zav, Ophir. Zav Mufaz, Zav Shachut, Zav Sagor, Zav Parvim. Okay, so now let's go through all these categories. Zav Vizav Tov, so there's gold and there's really good gold. Tixiv Vizav Aratzahu Tov. Because what's the Gemara quotes the Pasak over here? Imberatius, Uzahava Aratzahi Tov. So you see over here that there's Zav and there's Tov. So there's gold and there's really good gold. So the Gemara says, Zav Ophir. What's Zav Ophir? Da'asime Ophir. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. Ophir was the name of a place. So a high quality gold that came from Ophir. Zav Mufaz. Zav Mufaz, top of Memhei. Shedome Lepaz. This, this gold was like luminescent. And it was so luminescent that it shone, Rashi says, like pearls. Right? It shone like pearls. Zav Shachut. Shenitva Kichot. Zav Shachut means that the gold was so fine that it could be spun like thread. Zav Sagor, this is an interesting one. What does Zav Sagor mean? That whenever a, a store that sold this gold opened up, all of the other, others, other stores closed. Incredible. So the one says, Zav Parvim, Shedom Ladam Parim. Zav Parvim also refers to a red gold. 
that had such a reddish hue, like the blood of a par, like the blood of a cow. Ravash Shamar, Chamisha, and Ravash says, in reality, there's, there's not seven types of gold, there's only five types of gold. The first two, V'cholchad, Isbe, Zav, V'zav, Tov. So it's interestingly enough, so Ravashi comes along and he says, the first two of Zav and Zav Tov are actually not types of gold, but rather, what are they? Levels of quality. So there are really five categories of gold, or five types of gold. Inside each of those types, there's Zav, and there's Zav Tov. There's regular gold, and fine quality gold. Tanya Amiachabais that supports this. In a general day in the base of Mikdash, the gold that was used was yellow gold. On Yom Kippur, they would use red gold. And what, what, what's red gold? This is what we colloquially call Zav Parvim. Right? Why is it called Zav Parvim? Because it resembles the blood of an ox. Good. Remember, also the Mishnah said that on a general day, the Ketoris which was offered was very finely ground. But on Yom Kippur, it was even more finely ground. Daka Shebedaka, even a bit more finely ground. So the Gemara says, Turn around on Daka Matamud Lomar. Why does the Pasek have to say on Yom Kippur that it has to be finely ground? So we'll say, interestingly enough, as much as there is a command that the Ketoris must be finely ground on just a general day, the fact that the Torah goes out of its way to repeat it indicates to us what? That on Yom Kippur, it has to be even more finely ground. Incredible. So we'll say, so remember again, on a general day when the coin goes up, the Mizbeach, he goes up on the eastern side, on the eastern side, and then comes down on the west. Why is that? The Amr Mar, Kalpinos Sha'atapone, Lo Yehu, Ela Derech Yomel Mizrach. Because I will say there's a general rule that whenever you have to choose a direction, you go to the right, you go to the right and to the east. Right and east generally have the highest level of Hashibos. Therefore, I will say, remember again, in our orientation of the, in our orientation, thank you, in our orientation of the Beis HaMikdash, yeah, here, thank you again for the laser pointer. In the, so remember again, the coin will normally be going up over here. This is the eastern side and also the right. And then he would circle around the Mizbech and come down on the west. That's the way it would work. So the, can you see this, by the way? The air conditioning is not... I'm sorry, Milt. You're not, all right, sorry. So they can have their blind spots. My apologies. This will be gone by October. So you don't have to worry. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be fine. So the Gemara says as follows. So we'll say, so, my, so the Gemara says, however, Yom Kippur, remember again, the coin Godel goes up the middle of the Mizbeach and comes down the middle of the Mizbeach. Why is that? My time on Mishum Kvodo to Kohen Gadol. Because we'll say at the end of the day, out the covet to the Kohen Gadol. And I'll say, now this is very interesting. Why is this covet to the Kohen Gadol to have him go up the middle and down the middle? So if you look at Rashi, this is very interesting. Rashi says, Mishum Kvodo, Laharos Hashivuso, Shehuke Ben Bayis, Umakif Litzorech, Vishalol Litzorech. So we'll say, interestingly enough, you know, when you follow a specific protocol, right? When you go up, when you go up the eastern right side, make your way around, come down the west, that's regimented. The fact that on Yom Kippur, the coin gadol kind of goes right up the middle, shows a certain ease and comfort with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A certain fact that here it is, that Rashi is lashing over here. Laharos chashivuso shuke ben bayis. 
right? That the Kohen Gadol like a So I just want to point out how fascinating this incredible dialectic. That on one hand, Yom Kippur is so scripted. Everything is scripted. And again, what happens if you break with the script? What happens if you break with the script? Chas v'shalom. It's not good. It's not good. I will say, by the way, Rabbi Soloveitchik writes about this with Moshe Rabbeinu also. Did you see this notion that sometimes the greater people are and the closer they are to our Kaddish Baruch Hu, the more scripted their roles are, right? Moshe Rabbeinu has a very specific script. And we know of Araya, the moment he breaks with the script once, once he hits the rock, instead of speaking with the rock, it's a disaster. It's a, so the Kohen Gadol has this incredible script because Kohen Gadol is the closest person to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kibiyakol. So yet, interestingly enough, it appears that at least in one way, there's a desire to show that he is a Ben Bayis, that he is so close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that the script is there because the script is necessary to maintain the proper protocols when being in such close proximity to the Ribbono Shalom. But at the same time, there's like this one thing, because really there's only one thing that shows that he's a Ben Bayis. So will say, what a covet. What a covet. You know, you know the term Ben Bayis means someone who's always coming and going from your house. What a, what a schos to be called a Ben Bayis of the Ribbono Shalom in the Beis HaMikdash. What greater accolade is there? So we show as much as everything is regimented and scripted, he goes up the middle, comes down the middle as a sign of his Ben Bayis status. Truly beautiful. So the Gemara goes weiter. So let's remember again, under normal circumstances, the Mishnah said, on regular day, Kohen Gadol would sanctify his hands and feet from the Kior, right from the Kior. Remember again from the wash basin, but on Yom Kippur he would use a golden pitcher. Says the Gemara, my time. Well, what's the reason why Yom Kippur uses a golden pitcher? So the Gemara says, Once again, to show covered to the Kohen Gadol. Bechal Yom Hayusham Arba Marach. As well, so now we're going to get into an interesting discussion. We saw a fascinating machlokes in the Mishnah as to how many pyres, right? How many fires were lit on the top of the Mizbeach? So says the Gemara. Tan Rabbanon. Here we go. Bechal Yom Hayushtayim Marachos Vayom Shalosh. On a regular day, there were two pyres on the top of the Mizbeach. Now I'll say now, we're going to get to this picture over here, but I just want to remind you of something very important, which is that middle piece over here, right? That middle, that middle circle, that's not a fire, right? Remember again, what is that? That's ash. That's ash. It was considered to be covered to the Mizbeach to keep a large pile of ash to show just the carbonic volume. When it became too much, they would clear it out. But again, I just want to be very clear, that piece in the middle was not a fire. So we'll see. The Gemara says as follows. So on a regular day, Bechol Yom, on a regular day, there were two pyres. There were three. Okay, so what do what each of these represent? So the Gemara says, So we'll say, so listen to this. On a regular day, the Gemara suggests, I'm, I'm not, don't pay attention right now to the placement. I just want to, just want to highlight what they are. There was the Ma'aracha Gidola. That is the large pyre. But we'll say, that is the pyre on which Karbonos were burnt. Right, right now there on the Ma'arachi Gidola. The Ma'arachi Kitana, the small pyre, what was that used for? What was that used for? Kitoras, excellent. That's where, again, remember the coin Gadol would come up into this pile over here. He would separate out, right? He would go into the middle, get out the coals, and come in from there. All right. And I will say, then there was one more new pyre, one more new pyre that was added on for Yom Kippur. 
This is the position of Rabbi Yehud. Now we're going to see what was the point of the new pyre for Yom Kippur, the additional pyre. According to Rabbi Yehud, it was, that was for the coals of the Kitoras. It was, and I remember also, I want to be clear, on Yom Kippur, how many times are you offering Kitoras over the course of Yom Kippur? Three. Because remember, again, you have the regular Kitoras service, which is the daily service, part of the morning, part of the afternoon, and then Yom Kippur has the additional Kitoras service, which takes place inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So just want to point out, inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So, so remember again, so the Gemara said, so the Gemara said, so that, according to Rabbi Huda, on a regular day you add two, Ma'arach Gidola, Ma'arach Kitana, one for the animal service, right? One for Karbanos, for animal sacrifices, one for Kitoras. On Yom Kippur we add a third one for the Kitoras service. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, no, Bechal Yom Shalosh, in reality every day, there were three pyres, Vahayom Arba, and on Yom Kippur they added a fourth. We will say, what are the three? Acha Shomarach Gidolo, Vacha Shomarach Shnirashal Kitoras, Vacha Shokium Haish. So we'll listen to this. In Rabbi Yossi's model, on a daily basis, watch this. They had Marach Gidolo, that's where they burned the animal sacrifices. Marach Kitano, that's where they went ahead and they took the calls for the Kitoras. And then according to Rabbi Yossi, you had what he calls. There's a third one. Now, what was the point of that third one? Now, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, If for some reason, according to this approach of Rabbi Yossi, if for some reason this Ma'aracha was having difficulty getting started, right, and this Ma'aracha was not burning sufficiently, they would borrow fire. There would be another Ma'aracha that was lit. They would borrow fire from this other ma'aracha in order to be used for the larger ma'aracha. So we'll say this is again, according to Rabbi Huda, generally you only have two ma'arachos, a ma'aracha gidola, ma'aracha kitano, large pyre upon which to burn karbanos, small pyre for the coals for the kitoras. On Yom Kippur, you add a third for the kitoras service for Yom Kippur. According to Rabbi Yossi, on a regular day, you have three ma'aracha gidola for animal sacrifices, ma'aracha kitano for kitoras. What he calls, again, his Lushan over here, I keep on forgetting. Another one kind of just as a backup fire. A backup fire for the Ma'aracha Gidola. And then on Yom Kippur, you would have a fourth for the Kitores service. So it says the Gimara, let's analyze. And Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, Rabbi Meir says, every day there were four fires. And today in Yom Kippur there were five. What were the four? Remember again, everyone agrees on the first two, right? For animal sacrifices, for kitores. Now, say again in Rabbi in Rabbi Meir's model. Really, the truth is, it changes it just to Rabbi in Rabbi's model, right? He agrees with Rabbi Yossi that there was a third, right? The third was the kiyomaish one that was the backup for the ma'aracha gidola in case the ma'aracha gidola was having some problems. Rebbe adds in his fourth. What's his fourth? His fourth is in the event that you have limbs and fats that were not properly consumed over the night, you would place those on a separate fourth fire. Separate fourth fire. Right? The Gemara says, Then again, a fifth one that they would add on for Yom Kippur. So we'll say, we effectively have a three-way macho. Okay, so according to Rabbi Yehuda, every day they had two pyres, Ma'arach Gidola, Ma'arach Kitana. Yom Kippur, they added a third. According to Rabbi Yossi, 
on a regular day they had three fires. Ma'aracha Gidola, Ma'aracha Kitana, Ma'aracha Shalkiyum Ha'ish, that third Ma'aracha, to help the Ma'aracha Gidola, and on Yom Kippur they added a fourth. And according to Rabbi Meir, sorry, we'll go with Rabbi, according to Rabbi, they normally had four. Ma'aracha Gidola, Ma'aracha Kitana, Ma'aracha Shalkiyum Ha'ish, Ma'aracha to burn the leftover fats and limbs, and then a fifth added for Yom Kippur. So says the Gemara. Interesting enough, to Kuliyama, Mias Tarti Islam Minolas. So we'll say, here's, let's start with what everybody agrees with. What does everybody agree with? That you have at least what? Two. A Ma'aracha Gidola and Ma'aracha Kitana, right? Everyone is agreeing that you have one primary pyre to go ahead and burn Karbanos, and a secondary and a smaller pyre ultimately for Kitoris. Everyone agrees with that. Minolan, from where do we know that? Asks the Gimara. Amrkra, Hia Ola al Mukda ala Mizbeach kal halayla. The Pasik says, This is the Ola al Mukda kal So, what does this mean? Zuma aracha gidola. This refers, this, this, this Lashra Mukda al Mizbeach, burning on the Mizbeach, that's a reference to the Maracha gidola. Veish al Mizbeach tukat bo, and there'll be a perpetual fire that burns in it. Zuma aracha shnia shal kitoras. This ultimately, again, refers to a smaller Maracha of the Kitoras. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, so the Gemara says, Rabbi Yossi, where does Rabbi Yossi learn out this third Ma'aracha? From where does he learn out, ultimately again, this third small fire? So the Gemara says, So ultimately again, he learns it out from the phrase, Extra lashon. I'll say so again. We just have these additional lashonos of Eish. Rabbi Huda, where does Rabbi Huda? What does Rabbi Huda do with this phrase? La tzasa alisa Huda. So I will say this is very interesting. Rabbi Huda uses this phrase va'ishalam isbech to karbo to teach me about the need to kindle the alisa. Also, what does he look, look at Rashi? La hatzasas alisa, la hatzis bahen or ma'aracha gidolos. We'll say alisa Rashi is kissing dakim. We're going to see that the way they would kindle the ma'aracha gidola was little splinters, right? They would take little pieces of wood, which is in general, I guess, how you start a fire. You take, right, yeah, you have a large pyre that's arranged. They would take little smaller flammable pieces of wood and place that inside of the larger pyre in order to ignite the pyre. The Sanya, we'll say first wide line on Memheim and Aleph. The Sanya, Hai Rabbi Hudomer, Minayin lahat sasas alisa shalote ela berosh shamizbeach. How do I know that ultimately the kindling of the little splinters, I call them splinters, but that's not really the right word. What's the technical fire term? Kindling? Kindling. kindling. But I'm what do you kindle? Oh, they're ki- it's called kindling. Good, fantastic. Good, so I'll say, so again, so how do you know that that has to be done on the top of the Mizbeach, right? That the kindling has to be done. Oh, so it's the verb and the noun? Okay, good, fine. And anyway, so we'll say, so how do you know? Ultimately, again, how do you know that the kindling has to be done on the top of the Mizbeach? The fire on the Mizbeach shall be kindled. So we're learning out two things over here. Number one, about how to ignite, how to ignite the actual pyre. And number two, and number two, that it has to be kindled on the top of the Mizbeach. Had Rabiosi says, how do you know, in Rabiosi's model, that you make a third pie, right? Because remember, Rabiosi's model is Marocha Gidola, Marocha Kitana, 
and then a third pyre for the sake of sustaining the Ma'aracha Gidola. How do you know that? To which the Gemara says, Ish al Tukad Bo. Rabbi Yossi, Hatsasas Alisa Minole. Where does Rabbi Yossi learn out this idea of the kindling? Nafkale Mehecha de Nafkale de Rabbi Shimon. He learns out from the same source of Rabbi Shimon. What does Rabbi Shimon say? Visanyo, Vinostu, Bene Arana coin, Eshalam is Beach. The Pasik says that Bene Aron shall place ultimately the Eshalam is Beach. Limeid, Al Hatsasas Alisa, Shalotehe Elaba Kohen. We learn out, Rabbi Yossi, now this is very interesting. That halacha lemaisa, that the kindling of the ma'aracha, the kindling of the of the we'll call it the kindling, right? The kindling of the little pieces of wood to ignite the ma'aracha must be done by a kohen. So we'll say. So now there's a number of criteria. Number one, the way to light the ma'aracha is through this act of kindling with these little pieces of wood. Number two, it has to be done by a kohen, and number three, it has to be done on the top of the mizbeach. Now, interesting enough, the way the gemara, the order of the gemara has it is: you use these little pieces of wood, it's done on the top of the mizbeach, and it has to be done by a kohen. To which the gemara says, "Ubikli sharis," and with again with service utensils. Rabbi Huda, Amr Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, "Of course, it has to be done by a kohen." And as we'll say, once you establish that the act of the kindling has to be done on the top of the mizbeach. Only a coin has license to come on the top of the Mizbeach. So why would you even have a Havamino that at the end of the day can be done through a non coin? To which the Gemara says, Ela limeid al hatsasas alisa, shalotehe ela birosho shal Mizbeach. But rather it teaches us that Allah Chalamaisa, not the din of the coin, it teaches us the din that it has to be done on the top of the Mizbeach. And once you establish that Allah Chalamaisa has to be done on the top of the Mizbeach, then what? Then again, then halacha lemaisa, it has to be done obviously by a coin. Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda will say, Ime hasam, hava amina kaya ara va'avid bimapucha. So this is very interesting. I might have thought that maybe it doesn't have to be done on the top of the Mizbeach, and therefore maybe Yisrael could do it. But say, how can you go ahead and do it for, if you're not standing on the top of the Mizbeach? You could fan the fire. You could fan the fire. So we'll say the hava amina is maybe a Yisrael could be responsible for igniting the ma'aracha. I, how would he light the ma'aracha? Ultimately, again, if he's not standing on top of the mizbeach, somebody puts in there a spark, and what does the Yisrael do? He stands on the ground and fans it. He fans it. So the Havabino, Kamash Balon, no, Kamash Balon, that it has to be done on the top of the mizbeach, and once it has to be done on top of the mizbeach, then Haloch said obviously requires a coin. Rabbi Meir, Remember again, Rabbi Meir, in Rabbi Meir, or, or Rabbi, who hear the Gemara saying Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir had an interesting idea. He said that there are four Ma'arachos, right? According to Rabbi Meir, Ma'aracha Gidola, Ma'aracha Kitana, Ma'aracha Shakiyo Ma'ish, right? This other Ma'aracha to help sustain the larger Ma'aracha, and then a fourth Ma'aracha to go ahead and burn any of the leftover fats and limbs that were not consumed over the course of the night, and then a fifth Yom Kippur. Where does he get this fourth one for the burning of the leftover fats and limbs? To which the Gemara says, Nafgalei mi va'esh. He learns it out from the phrase va'esh. It's a vav hamosif, an extra vav. To which the Gemara says, V'rabanam vav lo darshi. V'rabanam don darshan vavs. Okay, so therefore they don't learn how to extra fire from that word. V'rabanam evarim upedarm shlones achlu mi ba'erev my avadu. I, and according to the Rabbanon, Ultimately, again, a varim and pedarim. So remember, again, leftover fats and limbs, shalonis achum ba'erev, which were not consumed from the evening, right? Which were not consumed from the, which were not consumed on fire. My avilu, what do you do with them? So we'll say, in other words, 
Under no, so just, so, just to understand, under normal circumstances, remember, the, not on the, there are no carbonos at night. So what's happening on the Mizbeach at night? Any leftover fats and limbs are consumed on, on the Ma'aracha. So interesting enough, Rabbi Meir says that there was a fourth pyre. Let's say morning comes, it's time for the Avodah, it's time for the Avodah, but there are still fats and limbs that have to be burned. So they had a fourth Ma'aracha, a fourth pyre, to burn the leftover fats and limbs. So the Gemara says, well, let me ask you this. According to the Rabbanon, and for that matter, everyone other than Rabbi Meir, who did not have a supplemental pyre to burn the leftover fats and limbs, what did you do with leftover fats and limbs that did not burn over the course of the night? So the Gemara says, well, What's the problem? You just keep them on the large pyre. In other words, uh, why, why do you have to start a new pyre? They would just put it on the large pyre, and that would be it. Desanya. How do you know about fat and limbs that were not consumed by the Mizbeach over the course of the night? That you just put it on the Mizbeach the next day. And then for some reason, again, the pyre can't accommodate them right now. You just put it on the ramp. Or on the ledge. Or on the ledge. Of the Mizbeach, until the Marach Gidol is ready to accommodate them. Suppose, interestingly enough, the Rabbanu look, it's not a big deal if for some reason the leftover fats and limbs were not able to be burnt on the Mizbeach. It's not a big deal. We just simply go ahead and keep them on the side until the Marach Gidol is ready to go ahead and burn them. So wherever you have to place them, you have to place them on the ledge of the Mizbeach, on the ramp of the Mizbeach, it's fine. In other words, we don't have to create a whole new Ma'aracha to consume these items. Rabbi Meir, Meir will say, Ikule ola atamachzir, v'yatamachzir ikule ktar. So Rabbi Meir adds something very interesting. This is an interesting case over here. What happens if halacha lamaisa, ikule ola, if you look at Rashi, second line in ikule ola, pokin shepaku me'al ha'ish, it's actually a very interesting case over here. What happens if you have an ola which popped off the mizbeach? Remember we spoke about this before? That sometimes as a result of the heat, you would have carbonos flying, right? Basically, this was a hop in place, right? So, right, so you, you would have a piece of sacrificial meat that would pop off the mizbeach. So, both say, so what do you do? So interestingly enough, if you have a carbonic piece of meat, a sacrificial piece of meat that pops off, what do you do with it? You put it back on, atamaxir. Interestingly enough, what happens if you have leftover ketores? Now, Rashi says over here, Ultimately, again, so, so, so the Gemara says over here that before you go ahead, if a piece of an ola popped off, you put it back on. But interestingly enough, if you have leftover ketores, that's not placed back on the Mizbeach. So we'll say the fact that the Torah says that the fire will consume the Ola on the Mizbeach. So we'll say it's interesting. It didn't have to say the Ola on the Mizbeach. Obviously, the Ola is on the Mizbeach. What it means is that if you had an Ola that was on the Mizbeach, and then what? Came off the Mizbeach, that you put it back on the Mizbeach. But that's Dafka, an Ola, or a Karban. Well, so when it comes to Ketores, 
leftover kitores is not reburnt on the Mizbeach. So we'll say, so let's get back to our conversation. So remember again, our primary discussion is to try to figure out what? How many ma'arachos, how many pyres are burning on the Mizbeach at any one particular time? alma mihas mosifin bo bayom. Islu minovo. So we'll say, here's, what, here's the kam denominator amongst all of the opinions we, we establish, right? So whether you're burning two, three, or four ma'arachos on a regular day, everyone is agreeing that what? On Yom Kippur, you add an additional ma'aracha, right? Everyone is agreeing that on Yom Kippur, you add an additional pyre. And the point of that pyre was for what? Was for the Ketores service. So the Gemara says, where do we know that from? Minalahu. From where do we know that on Yom Kippur, you add on an additional pyre? To which the Gemara says, Nafkalahu me veha'esh. Shabbos said, the Pasuk says, veha'esh. Alam is veach tu kadbo. Shabbos said, veha'esh. Ultimately, again, is a double hosafa. You have a vav and a hey, two supplemental letters. To which the Gemara says, vav vav hey darish. Because we'll say, for example, we just quoted the Rabbana before, who don't darshan vavs. So not everybody darshans vavs. But even if you don't darshan a vav, everyone what? Everyone darshans a vav and a hey. So the Gemara says, ish tamid lamay asa. So we'll say, so interestingly enough. That's the point of this conversation where everyone will agree. So as we may disagree with the number of ma'arachos on a regular day, is it two, is it three, or is it four? Everyone is going to agree that halacha there is a supplemental ma'aracha which is made for Yom Kippur. So the Gemara says, Eish tamid So what does the phrase Eish tamid come to include? comes to teach you the following halacha. Eish tamid Torah says there should be a perpetual fire. It shall not be extinguished on the Mizbeach. So I'll say this teaches me regarding the small pyre, what we call the Ma'arachah Kitano, which was for Kitores, So this is very interesting. It teaches me that the Ma'arachah Kitano for Kitores must be kindled on the outer Mizbeach. So I'll say, remember again, think about this in just a moment. Every day when the coin is coming to go out and do the Ketorah service, Ketorah service happens right over here, right? That, that's the Mizbeach Hazav. That's the golden altar. So remember again, where are the coals for Ketorahs coming from? They're coming from here, from the outer Mizbeach. So the Gemara says something very interesting. The Torah is teaching us regarding the small Ma'arachah, which is here, the small pyre, that ultimate, which, which provides the coals for the Ketorahs, that that small pyre must be on the top of the outer Mizbeach. So the Gemara says, from where do I know that? So the Gemara says, Vidinhu, because I could have argued the other way. Ne'emra ish pekitoros, ne'emra ish pemachta. It says, ultimately again, I'm sorry, ish pemachta umenora. It says, fire for the kitoros, and it says, fire machta, I will say, refers again to the shovel that the Kohen Gadol used on Yom Kippur. And it says, ish by the menorah. Ma'lahalon amizbeach achitzon, just like in those other cases, the fire comes from the outer Mizbeach, Afkan Amizbeach Achitzon. So to Frikitores, ultimately, again, the fire comes from the outer Mizbeach. So we'll say, what the Gemara is saying over here is, anytime we use fire in the base of Mikdash, where does fire come from? Fire comes from the outer Mizbeach. So to Frikitores offering, fire comes from the outer Mizbeach. Or I can make a counter-argument, which is, Ne'emra ish pekitores, ve'ne'emra ish pemachta, u'minora. It says, ish by the Ketores, it says, Ish by the shovel, by, by, which is the Ketoros of Yom Kippur. And it says, Ish by the menorah. 
They will say, just like in all of these other cases, you're taking the fire from that which is close to it. So to the machta and the menorah, you should take fire from what's closest. So we'll say, watch this. So you want to suggest, when you kindle something on the Mizbech Hazav, you have to take the fire from that which is closest to it. What's closest to the Mizbech Hazav? The Mizbech HaChitzon. So you take the fire from here. When it comes to the kindling of the menorah, right, which is here, or to the, or to the, or to the Ketor, to the Kodesh HaKadoshim, perhaps you should take the fire from that which is closest to these. What's closest to these? The Mizbeach Hazov, the golden altar. And maybe I should be taking, maybe I should be burning a fire on top of the golden altar, to which the Gemara says, Talmud Lomar, Eish Tamid Atukat Ala Mizbeach Lo Sichbeh. Ultimately, the Torah says, a perpetual fire shall you kindle on the Mizbeach, shall not be extinguished. Eish Tamid Sha'amarti Lecha, the Pasuk teaches me that, that the perpetual fire is only kindled in one place, which is the top of the outer Mizbeach. So therefore, the Gemara Sabo said, therefore, again, the Pasuk teaches me that pretty much all fire in that, pretty much all fire in the Mikdash will emanate from the same place, the top of the Mizbeach. Now I know Ish for the Menorah. From where do I know that this applies also to the Ish of the Machta, which is Yom Kippur? Vidinhu. Namra Ish by Machta, Venamra Ish by Menorah. It says Ish by the Machta, the shovel for Yom Kippur. It says Ish by the Menorah. Just like over there, it's referring to fire that you get from the outer Mizbeach. Afkan Mizbeach Achitzon. So to be here, it comes from the outer Mizbeach as well. Okay, Lechel So perhaps you can make, the, you could argue the other way. Namra Ish Pekitores, Venamra Ish by Machta. Ultimately, again, it says ish by the ktores, and it says ish by the machta. Ma lahalon b'samuchlo, just like over there. Ultimately, it refers to fire which is next to it. Afkan b'samuchlo. So too, maybe it refers to fire which is gained from something that is close to it. So maybe on Yom Kippur, you should gain the fire from the gold top of the golden mizbeach, not from the outer mizbeach. Tamalomar the lakach malo amachta gachale ish me al hamizbeach melifnei Hashem. You shall take a shovel full of coals from the Mizbeach that is before God. The boss says it's very interesting. Now the fact that it says for the Mizbeach that is before God, it means for the Mizbeach that is partially before God, but not totally before God. Which is the Mizbeach that's partially before God and not totally before God? That's the Mizbeach HaChitz. And the boss says, now watch this. You see, the inner Mizbeach, which is the Mizbeach Hazav, is fully lifnei Hashem, right? It's right, right in front of the Kodesh, Kodesh, Kodesh The outer Mizbeach, I will say, if you look at this, it's quite interesting. This is the entranceway of the Heichal. Only this part of the Mizbeach is lifnei Hashem, right? The rest of the Mizbeach, so to speak, is not directly opposite HaKodesh Baruch right? Because remember, here's the entranceway, and therefore only this small part of the Mizbeach is lifnei Hashem. So the Gemara Darshan's, you should take the fire from the Mizbeach that is partially Lifnei Hashem. Which is the only Mizbeach that is partially Lifnei Hashem? Mizbeach Achitz, on the outer Mizbeach over here and not the inner Mizbeach. So the Gemara says, V'itzterich lemichtav me'ala Mizbeach, V'itzterich lemichtav me'lifnei Hashem, and I need to write both of these, both of these things. Why? Because v'rachmanam me'ala Mizbeach, as if we're just me'ala Mizbeach, havamina ma'ala Mizbeach, Mizbeach apanimi. Because if we would have just said, you take fire from the top of the Mizbeach, I would have thought, which Mizbeach? The inner Mizbeach. Therefore, therefore the Torah says, 
from the Mizbeach that is partially before Hashem, because of Rachmana Melifne Hashem, and if the Torah would have just said Melifne Hashem, Havamina Dafka Melifne Hashem, type of Memvav. I would have thought it's Dafka Melifne Hashem. I would have thought that maybe if you could only remove fire from the Mizbeach if the fire is positioned right over here, literally opposite the entranceway of the Beis HaMikdash. However, but let's say the fire is a little bit lower, a little bit higher. I might have thought not. Therefore, we'll say, both how do we paskin? So remember again, in terms of, now there's a lot of halakha to do over here, but specifically in terms of the ma'arachos, in terms of the fires, how many pyres were there on top of the Mizbeach on a given day? So we'll say, so listen to this. So the Torah says, I'm sorry, the Rambam says, in Hilchos Avodos Yom Kippur, and this is Parak Beis Halacha Hey, Bechol Yom Vayom Hayu Alam Mizbeach Shalosh Ma'arachos Shalish. I will say, we paskin like, we paskin like Rabbi Yehuda, or Rabbi Yossi, excuse me, that on any given day there were three Ma'arachos. And I will say, the picture proves that point. Remember again, I will say, what were the three Ma'arachos? So the Gemara says, remember, you have, you have Ma'aracha Gidola. The large marachah, which was used to burn animal sacrifices, marachah kitana, ultimately again, which was used for the coals for the ketores, and marachah shel kiyum haish. That third smaller marachah, which I'll say was there for what? In the event that the larger marachah would begin to extinguish, you would have a supplemental marachah there to ignite it. That's how we paskin. And on Yom Kippur, they added a fourth marachah, which I'll say would go right over here, as we'll see, right in the left hand corner. Of, of the Mizbeach, well, I guess we would call the, the southwest, or excuse me, the northwest, the northwest corner, or the northeast corner, I guess, of the Mizbeach. We put it on top of there. What was the point of that Ma'arachah? The point of that Ma'arachah, again, was specifically for the coast for the Kitores of Yom Kippur. We'll say that is in the Dalach HaLamayz. We'll stop over here for today. Pick up eventually with the rest of the Sugi tomorrow. Shkoyah.